Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you had a good weekend. It's kind of busy around here, kind of was, but uh, yeah, kind of took the day off yesterday. Uh, Need to let the mind rest a little bit. Did the Recovery Lab podcast. You can find that on Facebook. I shared it on my Facebook. It's on their Facebook as well. I enjoy having a chance to sit down and talk recovery with people. Try to share some experience, strength, and hope whenever we can. I'll be back down there next week for uh, for a different show, but uh, it's been busy with all that here as of late. But, uh, you know, hey, things are about to pick up around here, too, as you guys now say that. I mean, we're always busy, it seems, but um, we're going to talk some recruiting uh, a little bit later in the show. But uh, you may have may have this slipped through the radar on you, but uh, Mississippi State, Hunter Hines, named All-American. He got third-team All-American honors, which I think is ridiculous, but uh, it's always nice to get it, right? Uh, perfect game, named him an All-American. You know, Hunter last year, Led the team with 22 home runs, 61 RBIs. Uh, first Bulldog since Brent Rooker hit 23 and 17. Pretty incredible, yeah. Sixth most in school history, but uh, Hunter, preseason All-American. No real surprise there. We expect Dakota Jordan, he to both uh, to have some really, really big opportunities this year to impact the game. Now, in case you're wondering... Uh, Mississippi State's going to begin uh, individual workouts on the 16th. So eight days from now, the Diamond Dogs will begin their spring semester preparations for the season. The first, like, real official practice is going to be January 26th. So uh, they'll do, you know, the four-and-ones and things like that. They'll kind of get out there and kind of get back up to speed. And next thing you know, man, it's going to be full go. It is. I mean, think about the first full practice is the 26th. We get ready to play a ball game February 16th. So uh, about five weeks out from some Diamond Dog baseball. I'm excited, and uh, it's so interesting, too. You know, we'll we'll finish up the portal stuff, and uh, we got about two more weeks that we can work on that, obviously. Uh, you know, class starts next week. The drop-ad date is the next week. Uh, but we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, and uh, there is a you know, commitment where we're kind of – uh, hoping for, expecting today that uh, we've already got a story written. I'm sure everybody else does too. But, um, we'll, again, we'll talk some recruiting. But, uh, yeah, baseball will be here sooner rather than later. It seems like, hey, you think, okay, we get through all this. Okay, spring semester has started for football and everybody else. So that kind of calms for a little bit. 
and then you have the you know junior day events and things like that. So there's never any off season for fans or reporters these days, and not that I'm complaining by any stretch. But uh, it's amazing how things have changed. You know, as far as coverage goes, if I can get it out. Uh, there used to be a time, you know, it's like the only time you really paid attention was like, you know, preseason stuff. But uh, it is a year-round deal now. And I think in many respects it's, uh, it's brought better fans. I think people are more in tune to what's going on. People have a, a, a greater interest. And so I think it helps with season ticket sales. I think it helps with donations. I think the fact that, hey, this is something that we do. We're Mississippi State people all throughout the year, not just stay during football season or, you know, we go to a baseball game. You know, I think it's important. Uh, that you guys have access. And uh, we're doing our best to bring that to you. And, uh, again, thank you guys for a record year in 2023 for GenesPage.com. Hitting some numbers we never thought possible. And uh, you know, we'll take some credit for doing the work, but thank you guys so much for reading and sharing our content. Uh, it's uh, more special than I can ever truly say. Well, speaking of special, Bulldog Burger Company, that's a special place to eat, a special place to work, a special place to bring friends or family, whether you're having this, you know, a night out, going to get some drinks, maybe you just want dessert, that they can accommodate you, whatever your needs may be. Go in there and have the spring rolls as your appetizer that make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big advocate of dessert to go. I may even get in there today. I might even get into Bulldog Burger Company today. Kind of jonesing, got a hankering for a Bulldog Burger burger. Not exactly sure which way I'll go. I've been on that Mississippi barbecue burger kick for a while. I might switch it up. Maybe get the Freshman 15. Yeah, yeah. That was probably my first big, um, you know, foray into the wild side after having the actual Bulldog burger first. I got that Freshman 15. It's still on the menu because it's so fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Three three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. How cool is that? But go in there and make sure that you sit down, put your feet on their table, have a great experience. Great food, a great price, great atmosphere. Bulldog Burger Company, our friends, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little basketball, as unpleasant as it may be. Uh, listen, let me go ahead and tell you guys this. We're not ready to throw in the towel. I, it's disappointing to lose games we expect to lose, or we expect to win, pardon me. But uh, I'm not going to get on here and rant and rave. And uh, to be honest with you, some of the hot takes that I've seen out there I just want everybody to take a deep breath, okay? We, um, we'll start on the men's side. You know, we lost a game we should have lost. I mean, let's just kind of call it for what it is. But give South Carolina some credit. They've done a great job flipping that roster over. We knew how difficult it had been uh, to go up there and play in Colonial Life Arena. You know, we, we've had some really good success. But, um, you know, it's a different-look team. And uh, really – you know, we dominated for the most part of the first part of this game. They made some adjustments, and I don't know that we countered very effectively in this ballgame because it seemed like in the beginning they couldn't get an open look. I mean, like, we were missing some shots, and Jimmy Bell missed some bunnies and things like that, but uh, they were having to work for everything just to get a shot up. And then they start kind of using our defensive aggressiveness against us a little bit. You know, we're kind of – uh, out there, maybe overplaying the wing a little bit. They start working some ball reversal, get some open looks, start knocking down some threes. We knew they were going to be a strong perimeter team. We talked about that in our preview of the game. But we didn't really counterpunch. Got in some foul trouble. And listen, people, I see people immediately blame officiating. Guys, listen, outside of one or two calls, I thought the game was pretty well officiated. And one of those calls went against us. One of them went against South Carolina. 
we lost this game because we got out toughed. We lost this game because we got out hustled, we got out rebounded. And that's the thing you look at. It's like, you know, that's supposed to be our calling card, right? We're supposed to be the team that does all the grunt stuff. And, you know, you look up here, and it's 11-3. to three. You know, Just at around 13 minutes, you think, okay, you know they're going to make a run because everybody does, but we're going to be okay. And it seemed like, okay, maybe we'll be able to kind of, you know, sustain this. We kind of take their first little salvo, and it's still 14-6. to six. And then the next thing you know, Michi Johnson gets going. It's a three here, three there. You look up, now it's a four-point ball game. You know, it, that, that's the thing. that This little segment here from like seven minutes on is where we looked really discombobulated on offense, and they were starting to get some open looks and knock down some big shots. Got the crowd into it. That's the last thing we needed. Over 11,000 people there. And then finally, finally, South Carolina takes uh, the lead, and it just never seemed like we got back in the ballgame. Michi Johnson hits a little basket there to go up 27-26 with a minute 48 to go, and it seemed like they had weathered the storm. And, again, we were in some foul trouble. You know, you didn't have Tolu. Uh, Shaq Moore got in some trouble. But we got to be better than that, for sure. We got to be better all the way around. But at the half, 30-28, to 28, you think, okay, if we can get out here and survive these first three or four minutes of this thing, we got a chance. But immediately, Studi knocks down a three, takes it back out to five. And it's just one of these things, you know, it's like we started chasing the game. We pulled the even around 15 minutes to go, right at 38. And you think, okay, we need to get a stop. And it seemed like we, we couldn't get one. We finally do pull even again at 42. And after that, it never really felt like – we were in the game until Hubbard hit the big shot late and got the, the four-point play. We're just not good enough to chase the game, guys. But I thought offensively we, we were really a mess. And I did say on the show last week, I thought if we could get to 65 points, we could win the game. We didn't. We got to 62. But I certainly expected us to win this game. And, and we didn't. And with our challenging schedule, people forget. I mean, people checked out. Last year during the month of January and kind of came back in in February as we kind of made our run against some of our contemporaries. But uh, very challenging schedule for us to start the SEC conference, uh, the SEC slate for sure. But uh, Tolu with 13, Josh Hubbard with 13, Shaquille Moore with 10. But you look up and down here, I mean, just, you know, shooting wasn't bad from the floor. You know, we shot 48%. But we took some bad shots and we missed some bunnies at times. And that's part of the game of basketball. But the perimeter game just wasn't great. Three of 13. And that was the thing. You know, we knew our, our needs last year. We went out and got, tried to get some perimeter shooting. Um, we've gotten better in some respects. But we're not where we need to be. And, and you remember earlier in the year, like Trey Ford. Trey Ford played two minutes. Didn't take a shot. Got to get that guy going. We do. I mean, you know what Josh Hubbard can do? Josh, two of seven from beyond the arc. Uh, the, the team, outside of that, you know, made one three-pointer. And we, we didn't attempt much. And one of the things that I, I thought was a little bit know, difficult to take is, like, when Tolo's in the game late, why are we not – why are we not pounding the ball down to him? It's not like they were strong and denying it. We didn't do a good enough job. There were times we got it down to Jimmy Bell – 
19 minutes of action for him, three of six from the floor. And I think that all three of his misses were, were makeable baskets. Missed two free throws, too. Six points. You know, makes you wonder maybe how's he handling the dynamic now that Tolu's back. But, uh, again, a game we shouldn't have lost. But um, not going to blame officiating and not going to throw in the towel. I have a lot of faith in Chris Jans. But uh, this is a team that could really be in a, in, in a hole quickly. You got Tennessee coming to Starkville Wednesday night. They'll probably win the league this year. Then you got Alabama coming on Saturday, and Alabama hadn't been great, but that's always an interesting matchup. Then we go to Kentucky. We could probably best case scenario right now is one and three to open the league. That's not great. You lose that game to Alabama, you're probably staring 0 and 4 right in the face. And uh, the thing about our fan base right now, I'm not being critical. I'm just, I'm just kind of giving you a, an assessment. This is a fan base that needs something to cheer about. I mean, because like you guys are like me. You understand the non-conference. It's like, yeah, it's great. You want to win these games because you certainly don't want to lose them. But you, you don't put a lot of stock in that double-digit win column after non-conference. Especially, we did the schedule extremely difficult. We did play some Power 5 teams, but they were kind of mid-level and lower. But this is when you separate the wheat from the tear, right, in SEC play. And so we need something to feel good about. And right now, there's not a lot to feel good about. Right now, I would say the thing we're most excited about is, is football. And there's still some things there. we got to get some defensive line recruiting things handled. Still need to find a DB or two. But there's some juice on the football side, right? And even with that, you're kind of cautiously optimistic because there was juice this time last year on the football side. And we saw that win. And you can see it in a social media commentary. It's like, man, can we just have something? I know I feel the same way. I mean, can we, it's been such a challenging, challenging 12 months. And really go back even farther than that. I mean, you know, I mean, we ended the 2022 football season on a high, right? I mean, you know, we win the egg and uh, we're eight and four, going to a, uh, you know, great Florida Bowl game. And it just feels like ever since then, it's like there's this dark cloud that just persists over us. And uh, rather than just sit there and get rained on and cry, I'm going to, you know, hopefully we can swim our way out of this and maybe outrun the cloud. But um, I can't promise you that it's going to be a great month of basketball for Mississippi State on the men's or women's side in January. I, I can't make you that promise. And so I'm just going to encourage you to hang in here. But, again, it's not time to throw in the towel. A lot of basketball left to be played. I've seen so many people out there with their hot takes and, you know, ripping coaches apart and things like that and players. Guys, it's one SEC game. I'm not trying to sit here and, and sugarcoat the loss, but I'm just going to tell you it's, it's one game. So hang in there. On the Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas. 
is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Women's side, we didn't, uh, we didn't get much help there either. The women now 0-2 in SEC play. You guys are well aware of the loss against Vanderbilt. Uh, we were very competitive at times last year against South Carolina. We were not on Sunday. 85 to 66. And uh, again, Don Staley is the best coach of women's basketball. And people that don't agree with that are likely people that are just jealous because uh, she's been able to maintain a level of excellence that we have not. But uh, there was a time this was the biggest game of the year for us. And uh, now it's just another game on a schedule. Now we were in it in the first quarter. After one, it's 26 21. I mean, so you're down five and you think, okay, let's hang in here. They put the defensive clamps on us there in the second quarter and pushed it out to 10, and from there, it was pretty much academic. I mean, they never really truly ran away with the game. They just kept stacking things up, and uh, they went 85-66. to 66. Uh, Ja'Kalia Jordan, big-time player for us, man. 25 points for her, outstanding. Not a lot of support outside of that, outside of maybe Lauren Park Lane, who had 14. Jessica Carter with eight. Jess has got to get to the line more. You know, and, and I don't know if it's the way she's playing or the sets we're running, but we got to get her to the line more. And whether that be just, uh, you know, war of attrition, 
you know, kind of beating up their fives and giving herself some uh, advantages in the half-court offense or making her free throws, we got to get to the line more. we got to force the action more. When you've got a player that size and that caliber, uh, you got to ride them. You do. Uh, Depression Poe with just five. Uh, Aaron Barnum with just one. It just wasn't a good day. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, things are going to be okay. We expected to win, lose this game. We all did. I mean, it just mattered what the final score was going to be. But it wasn't great. wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. And so I'm not going to sit here and waste a lot of time talking about this. But we're 0-2, and we've lost to two very good teams. The problem with that is, is we didn't expect it to be an also-ran in this conference. We didn't expect to contend for an SEC championship. Uh, but uh, 0-2 really wasn't in the, uh, in the cards. And now you look at the uh, road trip to Arkansas and then Ole Miss coming here. And then you get Tennessee, right? So, guys, it could be an 0-4, 0-5 type start. It absolutely could be. And so I'm not going to sit here and forecast failure, but I'm going to just kind of tell you how I see it. I don't think it's going to be a great month of basketball. And uh, I don't know that I would have said that two weeks ago. It's amazing how quickly things change. But when you start looking at the, uh, like on the women's side here, having to go to Bud Walton Arena, you know, they're 13-4 and four right now, 7-2 and two at home. It could be tough. I mean, it really could be. I mean, some of their losses, too, are legit, too. You know, I mean, they, they, they win at number 15 Florida State. They lose against uh, at home against UCLA. It was a fight for a little while. But you start working through these numbers here. that They, they lose to Kentucky, which was a surprise, but that's um, kind of part of the deal. But um, it's just one of these things that I, I begin to think, you know, it's like you're so hopeful about this. And then um, the early signs of conference play are not favorable. Arkansas, of course, won by 40 against Georgia uh, just yesterday. So, yeah, we're going to have to bring a good effort. Now, are we capable of winning that game? We, we absolutely are. Uh, but um, we could be in a hole really, really early. And uh, it's a long season. You don't want to throw the towel in, but uh, we are not at all where we need to be by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, let's take a quick peek at the uh, SEC standings, just kind of see who did what. Look at our scoreboard from the weekend. For those of you that maybe didn't keep up, it's, uh, it's so interesting, too. We'll start on the men's side. Um, how things go. Like, when you, you begin to kind of work through all this, and, it, again, you're just so hopeful. We just absolutely need something to feel good about. We absolutely need something to feel good about. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, going back to Saturday's actions, of course, State loses by six to South Carolina. Kentucky, a two-point win in Gainesville. And maybe Florida's better than people anticipated. We'll see. But 87-85 winners in Gainesville. Georgia goes on the road and beats Missouri 75-68. Auburn, of course, drilled Arkansas in Bud Walton 83-51. A lot of people wondered, is Auburn legit? Maybe so. Uh, Alabama goes to Vanderbilt. And uh, narrow win there, too, 78-75. But uh, Nate Oates and the guys putting up some points there. Ole Miss goes to Knoxville and gets crushed for their first loss of the season. Uh, 90-64, a lot of people wondered why Ole Miss was rated uh, where they were considering their undefeated record. It's well, they hadn't played anybody. Uh, big win for LSU as they go down to College Station. Even though College Station, uh, Texas a and unranked, 
you, when you went on the road in this league, it's a big deal. It absolutely is. Uh, so that's that's what the weekend looked like over there. And again, it's just one game. Nobody's ever as good as their best game and or as bad as their worst game. But uh, we we don't need to be getting behind our contemporaries because I, I just don't think we have the firepower to win some of these games against the elite teams in our conference. I do believe that Chris Jans, his defensive system, uh, and his brand of coaching will keep us in every game, with rare exception. I think most of you probably see it the same way I do. But um, let's flip over here to the women's side. Uh, Kentucky loses to Tennessee on the road. Lady Vols win 87-69. You know the state South Carolina score. Uh, Vanderbilt advances to 2-0 in the conference, 63-57 winner, winners over Florida. Uh, we mentioned uh, Arkansas drilling Georgia, 83-43. Uh, LSU goes into Oxford and wins that game, 84-73. Uh, and again, LSU's your defending national champion. You expected a big crowd there. And Ole Miss in a ballgame. They were. Uh, A&M, 66-44 winners over Auburn and Johnny Harris. It's just something to watch. And then Alabama, 79-64 winners uh, over Missouri. So we can look at the standings on the women's side because we've got a couple games here uh, to look at. But um, I tell you what worries me about this whole thing is, uh, is, is people checking out, right? I mean, there's always the belief, right? Uh, you look up right now, there are four teams in the conference that are 0-2 on the women's side. It's Mississippi State, Auburn, Florida, and Missouri. Mississippi State with the best overall record among those teams, 13-4. and It's just one of those things you look at and begin to say, hey, you know, we're already in the bottom third <laughs> and we've got some difficult games coming up. South Carolina, LSU, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, all 2-0. and Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Georgia, Kentucky, 1-1. Uh, and But a lot of basketball left, so let's not get overly negative. Start turning on each other over difference of opinion. We all want the same things. We just kind of express it differently. But, uh, yeah, we kind of knew this was a possibility, but, man, it doesn't feel good, does it, at all. Even when you expect it, you're hoping for something better. And uh, we haven't had that so far. But, uh, again, it's early. I'm not going to keep repeating that. But um, maybe I'm just trying to convince myself of that. But uh, I just didn't think that we played on either side, men or women's side. I didn't think that we played with the intensity we needed to. I didn't get a chance to watch much of that South Carolina uh, Mississippi State women's basketball game. Uh, but, um, you know, you can't judge your team where we are based on where South Carolina is. We're just in a different stratosphere. They're, they're, they're so far ahead of us, we just can't see them right now. And I know that's difficult to hear, but that's the reality of where we are. And people don't like to hear this, but uh, I think maybe the heyday of Mississippi State women's basketball is probably behind us, at least for a while. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is one of these kinds of people that uh, he knows a lot about things you don't. You need to entrust your mortgage into the hands of somebody that knows how to get things done. That's Blair. 22 years of experience in the industry, back to back to back. Top 1% close ratio finishes for him in the country. And he's one of ours, right? He's Bulldog. Uh, so not saying that you won't get preferential treatment, but it might be nice to mention that, right? 
Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. You know your needs, and he knows how to formulate a plan to get those needs met. Uh, as I've mentioned before, this is a guy that knows how to get things done. He'll be your advocate with underwriting. He knows how to structure a loan more likely to get approved. That's the website, closewithblair.com. Check it out today. All right, today is uh, the anniversary of Steve Clark's passing. And some of you would say, Steve, who is Steve Clark? Well, you remember the uh, great guitar player from Def Leppard? He passed away at the age of 30. What is it, 33 years ago now? It's crazy to think about that. It's nuts, man. It is. Fuck, it's just yesterday. And um, I'm going to have Roy put like a bonus track on your list today. Matter of fact, let's text Roy right now together. Hold my hand, kids. Um, let's uh, let's, let's kind of swing through this together here. There is a song uh, from Tesla uh, called Song and Emotion that is dedicated to Steve Clark. Tesla had gone out um, on tour with these guys. And uh, so I've, I've just texted Roy, we have, to get this out there. Uh, however, so Steve Clark joined the band Def Leppard when he was 18 years old, back in 1978. Did you, did you realize that? He's 18. What have you done with your life at 18, right? He was already in a band that was just about to break big and uh, pretty incredible when you think about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Steve, out of, uh, it's so funny to read all this. Wisewood, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, England. That's a mouthful. But in 78, and he initially passed, like uh, Pete Willis, who was uh, original guitar player that Phil Collin replaced, invited him to come uh, try out, and he never showed up. And then Joe Elliott and Willis see him later and say, hey, man, we'd love for you to come out. And he shows up. What does he do? He rips Freebird from Leonard Skinner, note for note, and he gets the gig. And the majority of Def Leppard's hits were written by Steve Clark. And if you've noticed, they've been a different band. I mean, they're not a nostalgia band by any stretch, but they haven't had a hit in a while, and it's not just because of the genre change, right? There's a lot of bands out there, you, you kind of lose your, uh, you know, your, your star. And I think Steve Clark is an underappreciated part of Def Leppard's history for the casual fan. He was a guy, too, that struggled with addiction tremendously. In my research for this, I looked up. They said that when he uh, he had the big uh, the big deal out in Minneapolis, and uh, when they put him in a hospital, and he was begging him to go to rehab, his uh, blood alcohol level was zero point five nine. That's toxic for most people. And to, to show you some comparison, Led Zeppelin's John Bonham, when he died, was 041 percent. It's absolutely nuts, man. It is. And ironically, Bonham passes away in 80, and um, Def Leppard drops their first album in 80. So we want to um, to celebrate the life and music of Steve Clark today. Um, one of those things, too, one of those uh, treatment center romances, he got involved with, uh, with a young lady that um, they made this pact. We're going to stay together and get sober and stay sober. We'll hold each other accountable, and then both of them were dead in no time. We've talked about that before. It's so difficult uh, having new relationships early in recovery. I, 
you know, the, the talk is a year. I didn't wait a year, but uh, I, I am the exception rather than the rule, I can assure you. Uh, I had some other relationships before the current one, uh, early in recovery, that uh, went down in flames. I was very fortunate to survive that without a relapse. But, uh, yeah, it's not just about the fact that we lost Steve to addiction. It's the fact that we lost Steve at all. So let's celebrate one of the world's greatest rock bands today with what I believe are Steve Clark's greatest moments. Now, a couple of these may not be your favorites, but i got some things to say about that. Number 10, from the debut album On Through the Night, it's the lead track, the first song, it's Rock Brigade. And if you listen to the dual guitar on this, you kind of begin to see the infancy of the Def Leppard sound. And maybe you didn't know this album that well. Maybe you didn't know this song that well. But this is one of those ones that just kind of begins to usher in it. Something's different. Because a lot of things coming out, people forget, you know, because you guys weren't childs in the 70s like most of us. Most everything in rock music was was changing back then. You had kind of the disco thing, you know. You know, even Kiss that uh, I was made for loving you, kind of a disco track, you know. Buddy of mine plays guitar in Disco Kiss, band automobile. But um, and then you had the other edge, kind of like the angst side of things, where things were real noisy and unrefined and kind of punky. And then this Def Leppard album comes out, and it's like, okay, this is something a little bit different. This is something that maybe things are changing a little bit. So Pete Willis was around then. Uh, Pete was around for a couple albums. Uh, one of the founders of Def Leppard, and then ultimately they moved on from him. But uh, number nine, a song that you probably know well, and uh, a lot of people don't really know what this one's about. It's kind of like the thick accent, right? The whole thing is about, you know, a guy, uh, is he, let's say, involved with a young lady. That, that's kind of like the premise of the song. And are you getting it? Yes, Armageddon it. Yes, I'm a getting it. That's what it's really about, kind of a play on words. But the guitar side of this is really, really cool. There's some neat things that Steve does. And they called him the riff master because he, he just found a way to find these winning riffs. This is one of them. Number eight, uh, the first song off the Hysteria album, the first single. And I remember watching this on MTV because you know, Pyromania had been such a big part of our lives. And Hysteria come out, and you're like, okay, what's Def Leppard going to do now, right? Well, Def Leppard under Mutt Lang got a lot more polished and a lot more pop. And some things kind of begin to change with them. And they ruled the world for a while with this album. But uh, the lead single on that album, your number eight track, was Women. Uh, because we love them. We do. We love them. All shapes, sizes, colors, religious creeds, whatever. We love them, some more than others, but we do love them all. Number seven, uh, goes back to high and dry here. And a lot of people, you know, got into Def Leppard. We talk about the Gateway stuff. Maybe we'll do a Gateway list here pretty soon. You know, the Gateway album for many people in the Def Leppard was Pyromania. And it was everywhere. I mean, there were t-shirts and hats and everything. Remember those old painter caps we used to wear? There were some of those out there, Def Leppard caps. Uh, people started wearing the Jolly Roger and things like that in, in support of Def Leppard. And then people went back and bought High and Dry, which was the, the final album with Pete Willis on guitar before Phil Collins joined the band. Not Phil Collins, Phil Collins. But bringing on the heartbreak was big. And if you've seen the Def Leppard um, 
behind the music or the little documentary they did. This is when Mutt Lang really pushed Joe Elliott to really explore the upper register. And this song is evidence of that. Bring it on the heartbreak. Because, again, you go back and you listen to On Through the Night, uh, Joe just kind of stays there in the pocket. He doesn't really do a lot of um, you know, aerodynamic type things vocally on that album. That really came on high and dry. That was kind of, again, the change and transition in sound from just being a rock band to kind of being you know, kind of a super rock band. And uh, Mutt Lang, of course, uh, one of the great producers of our day. I think Def Leppard's one of the, uh, the crown jewels in his, uh, in his crown, for sure. Number six, I believe this was the second single off Hysteria. I believe. And uh, the video, of course, is them at a big top circus. And uh, a lot of the big things were happening for Def Leppard because a lot of people forget, you know, it was after uh, Pyromania when Rick Allen lost his arm in the car accident, and then they fashioned a drum kit that allowed him to remain in the band. And Hysteria was the comeback album. It ended up being probably the biggest album of their career. But uh, the track Animal, I think it was actually a better track than Women, which is one of the reasons it's ranked ahead. But I think Women, people are like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then Animal was real, I don't know, maybe a little more of a... Um, a little poppier track, I guess. And so MTV was rolling back then, and uh, it seemed like Def Leppard was on like once or twice an hour. And this song was in heavy rotation, and, and you guys loved it. All right, going back to Power of Many, number five. And uh, you know you know it's the, uh, the Uden Gleden, Gloudon Gloden. Remember that? We thought we were so cool. We'd walk around in our little painter caps and, and uh, Panama Jack shirts and, and shorts that were too short. With our socks pulled up like to our knees. It was Rock of Ages. Great, great, great rock song. It's your number five track today. And uh, again, Steve Clark wrote the track. Pretty incredible. Number four, we're going back to Pyromania. Uh, we're going to stick with Pyromania. And this is not, this wasn't a hit. This is a deep cut. I think in many respects, this is Steve Clark's shining moment with Def Leppard. Now forget, forget you know, the, the playing the uh, Hysteria Tour in the round and all that kind of stuff and the fact that Def Leppard was on all the billboards all around the world and sold millions and millions of records. But if you're a rock fan and you don't know this song, you need to. I think Steve Clark absolutely killed it on this one. And I, I think it probably should have been a single. I think it would have been a hit. And the record company obviously didn't ask my permission. But it's a great, great track called Coming Under Fire. Absolutely love this. I think I've talked about this on the show before. The guitar on this is so incredibly pure. Everything about this song, what I mean, you had the big 80s chorus, and Def Leppard was a big part of that. But if you just isolate the guitar on this, it's really next-level type stuff. And I don't just mean technically. I mean, it's not like Eddie Van Halen or Nuno Bencourt or anything like that. But just the pocket the groove itself, the riff, absolutely amazing. Coming under fire from Pyromania. Number three, sticking with that album, it's Foolin'. And I remember when this thing began to kind of rock around a little bit. This is when the Union Jack became popular. Everybody's like, I want to go support this Def Leppard band. I might not be able to find a shirt that says Def Leppard on it somewhere uh, at uh, Haberdashery or something like that over in uh, Hattiesburg, but I can probably find the Union Jack shirt. And, and the people did. But uh, Foolin' was great. And it was one of those things, too, that I think uh, really showed Americans that um, this new British wave of rock music 
was very Americanized, right? Because you go back and you listen to some of the earlier stuff, even with the Sabbath stuff, there is that thick kind of British enunciation of things. But when you heard Def Leppard, a lot of people thought they were an American band because they had an American sound. I think Fooling was a big part of that. Number two, you can't have a list of Def Leppard tracks. And, and many of you would have this number one. And, and that's not one of the reasons why I don't have it number one. And yes, at times in my life, I've been the little music snob because I was on Def Leppard before the preps were. Because of the fact, the Pyromania album. Like, it was so great. It was so pure. And then went back and listened to High and Dry, got on through the night. And so I already had those first three albums. And we had plenty of time to buy them because, uh, you know, Rick Allen took a long time for him to recover. But when... Hysteria broke. It's like it was right at the zenith of MTV's musical popularity. And we had a lot of people that were wearing Ozod shirts and acid wash jeans and some, uh, you know, some polished up other Nikes and things like that. And so in many respects, many of us thought that um, those guys were interlopers, right? It's like, oh, yeah, so now they'll grow out a little mullet, you know, try to act all tough. Go get some Marlboro Lights, maybe a wine cooler. I know, I'm, I sound petty. And maybe I am. But Pour Some Sugar on Me is your number two track. And uh, while the song is incredibly overplayed, uh, the reason it was, when that song came out, it, uh, it, it changed the crowd at Def Leppard shows. There were a lot of people that really liked the Pyromania album, and all of a sudden... You had a lot more women coming to shows because of hysteria. You had love bites and things like that. You had a lot of big tracks. But this is probably the quintessential Def Leppard song, especially for fans that your gateway to Def Leppard was that hysteria album. But number one for me, because uh, I'm a Def Leppard loyalist from the beginning, it's Photograph, man. And, and I don't know how else it could be. And again, it's the whole Phil Collins thing, right? Phil Collins and Steve Clark got together and uh, were immediately became great friends. And a lot of people wondered how Def Leppard would continue without Pete Willis. And uh, Phil added a different element. And we talked about, you know, the dual guitar stuff. And Def Leppard did that as well or better than anybody uh, in their genre. Of course, Def Leppard still has new material coming out. Uh, Vivian Campbell, of course, from Dio. Also formerly of Whitesnake, um, has taken Steve Clark's spot in the band. And they haven't recaptured that same level of success. And uh, many of you, you know, probably like, Steve, I haven't listened to Def Leppard in years. And, and I hate to be negative about that. It's one of the reasons why, I think. Um, I think they've had, what, six albums since then? I think that's right. But, uh, you know, the Euphoria album that came out, excuse me, Adrenalize album that came out in 92... You had a bunch of tracks on there that uh, Steve Clark wrote and did demos on, but didn't actually record on the album. That's one of the reasons that I didn't include it. One of those, of course, is uh, Let's Get Rocked. You guys know that one. Uh, very quintessential Def Leppard. But, but since Adrenalize, you have seen really a drop-off in popularity, not just because everybody's getting older and you know the core Def Leppard fan base is not buying music anymore, but there has been some good stuff in the last several years. Uh, one of the things I would encourage you to do that came out last year, if you haven't done it, maybe give the Drastic Symphonies album a listen. 
because it's played with the Royal Philharmonic. It's very, very special, especially some of those ballads. Like Love, Love Bites is phenomenal. But uh, if you, you want to hear a different take on some of your old favorites, that may be worth your time there. But uh, again, we want to thank Def Leppard for their contributions to rock music. And again, so much Americanized influence in uh, Def Leppard's work. But uh, yeah, Steve Clark, obviously uh, gone far too soon, died at the age of 30. Joined Def Leppard at 18. I was part of four studio albums and, of course, wrote uh, much of the fifth. But, uh, but he's gone. And uh, again, reminder, you guys know that I'm in recovery. If, uh, if you or someone you love is uh, struggling with alcohol and drugs, do never s- surrender them to the alcohol and drugs. Sometimes you may have to love them from afar, but always let them know that you love them. It's true. You know, we addicts are liars and manipulators and things of that nature, and we'll do and say whatever we have to to get what we want out of life. Uh, but I think it's important to, to recognize the fact, I know for myself, uh, I had convinced myself that I was unlovable, and there were some people to love me through it. And um, they're heroes in my life. That There would be none of this stuff had there not been for people that really loved me. And so I encourage you, kind of hang in there, protect yourself, uh, but still love. Uh, if you have ideas for the top 10 lists, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can also find our great list on Spotify. Roy takes the time and effort to do that for us. And uh, you never know, we might give him a raise this year. We might. And I think what's interesting, too, he told me this. You know, I'm always looking for new bands. and I discovered the little band L.A. Maybe, right? Guys, you realize that that L.A. Maybe thing almost a top 10 list and you know how long we've been doing this so clearly you guys liked it Ah, the band la maybe you never know we may come back later this week with another new band Uh, you know we've talked a lot about sleep theory and things like that and there's some other new bands out there that i'm pretty pretty excited about too and you guys always like the new music list too i don't know why but you do I like to learn about new bands, too. And so we want to share those with you when we can. But if you have an idea, maybe somebody that we've forgotten, or maybe a different take, right? We can talk about that. You know, like today, I sat down and I was going to do a gateway list of like 80s hair metal bands. You know, bands that, uh, you know, the bands we grew up with, the bands that, uh, you know, we, we learned about on the radio. You know, we, listened, we used to listen to terrestrial radio. Back in those days, we had the, the radio going on all the time. And um, then MTV came around, and then they're like, wait, well, this is kind of cool too, right? So things changed. Uh, so I was working on that when I remembered that it was, uh, I ran across something on a, on a Def Leppard thing that Steve Clark's passing, the anniversary of his passing was today. So thought it'd give us a chance again to talk a little bit about recovery, but also too, to celebrate uh, some incredible music from an inc- incredible performer who was taken far too soon from all of us. But uh, if you're not following me on Twitter, what's wrong with you? I'm at Scout Steve R on all forms of social media. We'd love to have you along for the ride. And uh, look forward to uh, Wednesday's show. Hopefully we have some more good news. As we mentioned, we're uh, hoping and expecting to get a commitment uh, today. So we'll have full coverage that over at jeanspage.com. As it breaks. All right, here we go. We got big news. And this segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You should too. If you don't already, chances are... You've already had a chance to peruse their fine Mississippi State selections. You can go by and see their smiling faces and pick up that merchandise in person next time you're in Starkville. If you can't make it to town or perhaps 
you live out of state, you just want to support a Starkville business, which we're certainly in favor of. Uh, we thank you for helping keep Starkville a great community. Uh, reach out to them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. And uh, Mississippi State merchandise, always a hot item with our fan base. Because here's the thing, we're loyalists. We may have a difficult stretch every now and again, but our faith in the university uh, never wavers. And uh, we are part of a great fan base, want to celebrate that every chance we get. No better way to do that than buying some Mississippi State licensed apparel and wearing it to a Bulldog game or just around uh, whether you're shopping or whatever. It's always good to have Mississippi State out there. That's one thing that I always comment about. Like One of the things I always uh, liked about LSU folks is everywhere you went in the state, it's like a sea of purple and gold, right? So recruits see that. They see that, hey, that's a great place to be. That's a fan base that truly cares. So rep the brand whenever you can, campusbookmart.net. All right, Wink, Winky Denod, or Wilkie Denod, excuse me, my goodness. Wilkie Denod, former Auburn Tiger announces his commitment to Mississippi State, a native of Fort Pierce, Florida, a product of John Carroll High School. Uh, did not play this year, but was highly recruited uh, out, of, out of high school. Had about two dozen offers. Just kind of run this down for you. Uh, he has four years to play four, so he's not a one-year deal. Like, and he's already used his one-time transfer exception for whatever that's worth at this point, right? Things can always change. Right? Uh, We've seen that happen regularly. But he was an early enrollee at Auburn, went through spring practice, uh, got in a little trouble off the field, uh, decided to transfer, didn't play this year. But uh, running down his high school recruitment, uh, Auburn, Indiana, Arkansas, Coastal Carolina, Florida International, Florida, Florida Atlantic, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Illinois, Miami, Michigan State, Mississippi State, NC State, Nebraska, New Mexico State, Penn State, South Carolina, Syracuse, Tennessee, West Virginia, Western Kentucky, and others offered him out of high school. So very highly coveted recruit, now headed to Mississippi State. A 6'4", 245-pounder at a high school. He has added a little girth uh, since he's been in college, but uh, they do expect him to be uh, a depth piece at this point. Again, he is a redshirt freshman. So uh, do we expect him to start this year? No, we don't, but he is a guy I, I spoke to over the weekend that he is a guy that uh, is projected to be a five-tack, a true defensive end. We'll stand him up some, try to increase, increase the pass rush. And listen, David Turner needed to get a win, right? I mean, David Turner is out there grinding, trying to make some things happen, and uh, it was important for us to get this commitment. Are we done on the defensive line? I don't believe that we are, but we're not going to take a guy just to take a guy. We're going to take people – uh, they make an impact. But we need some numbers. We need bodies. And uh, we'll add uh, Wilkie to the uh, portal list right now. Who's in and out of the portal? Try to make that easy for you. You can go, even if you're not a subscriber to jeanspage.com, you can go look at that information for free in a 247 database. But uh, we'll add Wilkie to our list of incoming players. And uh, that's interesting in and of itself. It's because of the fact that uh, we talk about all the things that we're losing and all the players that uh, are moving on. And uh, there have been some, obviously, like Xavion Thomas and uh, Woody Marks and Carlos Nicholson that uh, have landed with Power 5 programs. But uh, here is an update on all of that, okay? 
Here's your outgoing transfer traffic. Will Rogers, of course, to Washington. Will James to Southern Miss. Uh, Steven Lasoya, Vanderbilt. Rylan Godet to Georgia Tech. Nakai Poole hasn't announced yet that I've seen, but uh, our Matt Zenitz has him headed to James Madison. Wide receiver Jacoby Bellazar headed to Grambling. Xavier Thomas to LSU. Uh, Simeon Price, no um, destination announced just yet for him. And, of course, to Carlos Nicholson, as aforementioned, USC. DeCamryon Richardson is headed to Ole Miss. Uh, cornerback Jamari Brown, who arrived at State very late from Purdue, uh, played very early, didn't play much more. No destination yet for him. Woody Marks, of course, to USC. And Injicarius Clayton recently announced for Marshall. Uh, Percy Lewis, there was some talk that he may be headed to Ole Miss. That appears to be off. Auburn now involved with him. There's always a possibility he could pull out of the portal. I don't expect that, but that's always a possibility. And then our late entrant into the portal was Jonathan Davis, uh, formerly of Lawrence County, uh, could probably find himself somewhere on the G5 level. As far as the incoming guys, here is who is coming so far and where they're coming from. Blake Shapin, quarterback from Baylor. Uh, I was told shortly after he committed at State was still shopping but weren't going to take a quarterback unless they added value. We're not just going to go take a guy to take a guy. Uh, Kendrick Bingley-Jones out of UNC, highly recruited out of high school, hasn't done much in college, has been injured much of his time there. He is really a depth piece for us. Uh, offensive line center, Ethan Miner, uh, very highly rated guy by Pro Football Focus. We're excited about him. McKaylin Pounders from Memphis. That's one of those things, too. A great story, great ending to that story. Uh, Pounders is a guy that we do expect to make an impact this year. Uh, cornerback Trey Wright from Memphis didn't play much this year, uh, but we expect him to come in and provide some competition. Uh, Justin Bell, Justin Ball and Cam Ball, Justin by way of Vanderbilt, Cam by way of Buffalo, uh, kind of shoring up the tight end room. You lose tight ends, Gode and Clayton, and you pick up two more. Uh, Suleiman Paca out of Purdue, a depth piece, a defensive tackle. A wide receiver Kelly Akari out of UTEP. That's a guy that we're really excited about. Think he could be a difference maker for us. Offensive lineman Martin Martinez from LSU. A guy that we expect to factor in. A part-time starter at LSU. Uh, could be a factor at guard for us. Punter Zach Haynes uh, to provide some competition in the specialist room. Wide receiver Kevin Coleman, a guy that we're really excited about there. That's the thing. Again, you look at what Bumpus has done on the high school ranks, and then in the transfer portal, he's really transformed this wide receiver room. Then late last week, linebacker Stone Blanton commits to Mississippi State, and today defensive lineman uh, Wilkie Denaud. And so uh, excited about kind of what is to come here, but uh, when you start doing the math here, and uh, that's the thing that always happens, people are like, oh, well, you know, are we going to have a football team? Yes, we're going to have a football team. Uh, let's take a look at the portal traffic, you know, kind of together here. Again, that's in the recruiting tab. But uh, 14 incoming transfers uh, as it stands right now. I think uh, maybe that's 15 now because we don't have uh, Wilkie added. I, I just added him. There he is. Okay, yeah. 14 transfer ends, uh, counting Wilkie the nod. And then 16 transfer outs. And you look at, again, State's still looking here. So it's going to pretty much be a wash in many respects, and 15 of those 16 transfer outs are, um, are scholarship guys. And so that's what happens when the portal opens is people start going in and people freak out. And, and again, when you look here, are we upgrading our talent? That's the real question you ask yourself, right? 
Um, looking at the guys that left, Jonathan Davis, of course, was a guy that uh, was kind of a late bloomer at Lawrence County. We had high hopes for him. Uh, didn't really have a good freshman year. Never saw the field. And you think with all the injuries we had up front, uh, some of those younger guys could have had an opportunity to step up and maybe play earlier in their career. He did not do so. Percy Lewis, a part-time starter at State, has some discussion about is he a guard, is he a tackle. Uh, he elects to uh, enter the portal. Jacarius Clayton was the guy that uh, wanted to play defensive tackle. I, I never thought that's where he fit. I didn't think he was quick twitch enough. I had some people that disagreed with me. You know, he committed to Ole Miss and then flipped back to Mississippi State. And then once we changed the offense and had opportunities for tight ends, Jacarius did his best to try to fill a team need. Uh, but I do think he's probably an offensive lineman. That's what I think. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. Uh, Jamari Brown, of course, was this a depth piece that came in for us? And uh, you don't really, I mean, it's like you don't really lose much production wise there. Just another name on the roster. All due respect to him. And that's what happens when you enroll late, right? And then DeCamrion, arguably our best returning defensive player, has left us for our rival. That's a significant loss no matter how you slice it. Uh, DeCam, we got it, we do think has NFL ability. Didn't have a great year this year. But down the stretch, I thought he played really, really well. And so I'm not going to sit here and have, uh, you know, sour grapes or whatever and act like that uh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, Woody Marks, of course, has done some big things here at Mississippi State. Headed to USC. Uh, difficult to replicate his production. Uh, maybe Jalen Lucas from Indiana comes in. Maybe he's a guy that can help in that respect. Uh, DeCarlos, we've mentioned him. Xavion, of course, headed to LSU. Uh, Xavion had a breakout year at Mississippi State. Probably left some yards on the field. But, uh, again, a significant loss, if nothing else, from a punt returner and your number two receiver. Stephen Lasoya, this is one that's really kind of disappointing, to be honest with you. Uh, Lasoya, not a star by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a guy that was certainly a very solid player for us. You transferred into state from Middle Tennessee. This is now his third stop as a grad transfer, headed to Vanderbilt. Uh, and, again, he's going home. But that would have been nice to keep him. Rowling Goday. Uh, did not really make a contribution. We hoped that he would. Uh, not being negative about it, but the reality of it is, is we needed a guy to come in and do some very good things for us. And uh, he was just an adequate player at times, at best. Uh, Will Rogers, of course, that's that's well documented. Difficult. It's going to be difficult to replace that uh, in some respects. Will James, a guy that we added late in the recycle recycle and the recruiting cycle last year. Not really sure what to expect from him, but uh, he was a bit of a reach, we thought, but we thought he could be a developmental piece. Now he's had this other miss. Uh, Nakat Poole has now announced for uh, James Madison. Uh, so wish him the best. He was a guy, too. I didn't think his offer sheet matched his film, and I think his ranking kind of reflects that. A lot of people thought, oh, all these offers, he should be a four-star. I didn't see a four-star player on film. And there's Jacoby Belazar, a guy that came in from Southwest Community College. We thought he could come in and be an interesting piece. Uh, only played in a couple games. Wish him the best. Simeon Price, a guy that was probably underutilized, to be quite honest with you. And we talked about that on this show before. He pulls off a 10, 15-yard run, then you never see him again. Corey Ellington goes in the portal, and it comes back out. And so that's kind of where things stand right now. And uh, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what's next you know, for this group. But a uh, few more things out there. We're starting to get to a point where we can start to breathe a little bit. Down to just a handful of spots, things are really filling up. And uh, that's not to be 
and not some big surprise because of the fact that we've got um, you know school starting next week. You know, so a lot, a lot of these guys got to make a call. Now uh, we talked with Nikai um, Webb Walker. He's going to plan to announce probably on Wednesday. I'm not sure how hard State is pushing for him right now. You know, we'll see how things progress. You know, State's working through the numbers right now, as you guys know. And uh, we're right there. We're really close. But we do expect some guys to leave, you know, post-spring one way or another. But uh, Wilkie, a now new addition to, uh, to our, our program, and uh, we're happy to have him. We're ready to go, ready to see what he can do. It's one of those things, too, where uh, you need bodies. And I think he is more than just a warm body. I think that this is a guy that, um, you know, we expect him to kind of be a transfer portal uh, success story. I think that's an interesting part of all this. Is like we need to get some guys that have some potential. It's one of those deals when you start working through all this stuff, you start thinking, this is a guy that was highly recruited, didn't play this year, and people kind of forget about him. You know, people kind of forget about him. Uh, so that's important to understand too. You know, is that. This is the same guy that um, we certainly would have been happy to have last year if he'd committed to Mississippi State. That's an important aspect of this, every, every bit of it. So uh, I think it's important now for Mississippi State fans to say, okay, you know, what's, what's left for us? Well, we, we still need an edge. Um, and maybe that's Webb Walker, maybe it's not. I, I don't know that we're pushing for him right now, uh, but you had uh, Tyler Junior College – Interior defensive lineman, and I'm going to butcher this name, but it's uh, uh, Michael Nawacho. I think that's his name, or Nawako. Uh, he was the guy that we thought was going to be part of the class last year, be a late enrollee in the spring, and then just couldn't get it together. Then there was some discussion. He may not be a December graduate. It appears that that's now a possibility. He was a late addition to our visit weekend over the weekend. That's a name that we're continuing to monitor. Uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. But, uh, yeah, numbers are getting very, very, very thin. I keep being told we're not going to turn away good football players, but I think in the end we're going to have to determine who's a good player and uh, who's just kind of a pretty good player. That's something we're going to have to watch, you know. Because you, you know, some of these scholarship spots you got now, you're going to need them later. So you don't want to just take a guy to take a guy. you got to make sure that we've got guys that are adding value. And, of course, Daniel Hill commits to Alabama over the weekend. So we are done with high school players, barring some totally unforeseen. And uh, once we get through uh, the next week, to 10 days or so, uh, this class will be completely filled one way or another. And, uh, again, it's a huge class. And uh, Dave Murray wrote an interesting piece a couple days ago about is this the freshest fresh start a coach has ever had at Mississippi State? I think one could argue that's the case because you didn't have the benefit of the transfer portal, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. That's always um, – Something you think about here, people's like, well, you know, we're, we're kind of not where we need to be talent-wise, but you have a chance to flip the roster pretty quickly. And when you start working through this, you currently have 21 signees, and then you'll have uh, an announcement on uh, Brown Lanier and San Francisco McGee soon. All right, so that takes you to 23 letter of intent signees, and then you add in the 14 transfers. Well, now all of a sudden you're up to 37. Guys, it's an 85 scholarship roster. So 
let's say you add three more players, that gets you to 40. So nearly 50% of your roster has been flipped. And that was one of the things that people told me uh, in the very beginning when, when Jeff Levy began to emerge as a priority candidate is that Levy believes that he can flip the roster very quickly. And uh, let's just kind of call it for what it is. We had some guys on this roster that couldn't play. We had some guys on this roster that we, we took as developmental pieces. They haven't developed. Uh, and now we've got to figure some things out. And so Levy comes in with really no allegiance to, that, to these players other than the fact that they're Mississippi State guys. He has to make some difficult evaluations and figure out what's best for us. You know, do, I think a new broom always sweeps clean. There's a reason you know, that little uh, euphemism is out there. A guy can come in and say, hey, we need to get this, get this, get this, get this. Let's go get it. And sometimes that means processing some players. Sometimes that's, you know, guys that will say, hey, well, if I don't get X number of dollars, I'm going to go in the portal. And your head coach is like, okay, fine, go. Go and go. Because we can find that same value in the portal. That's an aspect of it, too. I think for me, I would never allow a player to hold me hostage. That's how you lose the locker room. That's how you lose the balance in the coach-player relationship. There has to be a system of hierarchy, and I like the way Jeff Lobby's done things so far. I mean, I've heard, heard things, talked a lot of people, and they're like, you know what, Jeff's like, you know what? If that's what you want to do, then go do it. And uh, I look at the work that we're doing now uh, in the portal, and uh, while we're not getting some highly rated players maybe that we had hoped for, and it's also very expensive NIL price tag associated with those guys, uh, I think we're taking some steps uh, to improve the quality of this football talent and this football roster. Uh, Jacoby Jackson's the name it's still out there as an offensive lineman. Uh, visited Mississippi State, then Texas A&M, then Baylor. What a whirlwind weekend for him. He expects to announce uh, one day this week. Um, that's uh, you know one of those things that we, we, you're always looking for, right? You're always looking for big-time guys that can get things done. Uh, Wayne Matthews out of Old Dominion, uh, that's a guy. You know, you begin to think about linebackers. How many more linebackers do you want? I think you take him. I think you got to make that work if he wants to come. Uh, he's been difficult to reach. I've reached out to him several times. We haven't been able to, to have any correspondence, and that's what happens a lot of times for these guys that have been in college. They just they don't need people like me, and they're trying to make a decision. So you don't want to interfere with that. You don't want to be one of these guys that just kind of blows people up. And so, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see how things go. But um, I think it's important to kind of understand kind of where we are and what we have left. And, um, you know, Outside of Jacoby Jackson, I don't know that I expect another offensive player unless it's Lucas because of the fact Lucas could be a change of pace back, could be a could be a returner, could be a slot receiver. There's a lot to like about him. But I don't think it's a situation where you're just out there going crazy expecting to go get another running back. I think when you look at what we've added through the traditional signing methods, I think you feel like, okay, we're in a pretty good spot here, but we'd love to have one more. Love to have one more. But you don't go take a guy just to take a guy. We're not looking for Jag Corps. We're looking for guys that come here and make contributions. Uh, Roman Petrie is a guy that uh, visited midweek last week. We were optimistic about him. He committed to Arizona State. And so now you start beginning to wind this thing down. What do you do with Webb Walker? You know, I, again, I don't know that he's a take right now, but he could become Wednesday, right, when you start working through this. Because, you know, what happens? You know, the, the puzzle pieces fall into place elsewhere, too, and there may be some guys out there that uh, that maybe you thought you are going to get that you didn't get. you got to make a decision. You know, you got to make a decision, do you want these guys or not? I think the Webb Walker guy, of course, uh, 
had a pretty good year at New Mexico State. It's a different level of competition and uh, connected to Cliff Odom, the Mississippi State new special teams coordinator. Uh, so you ought to feel like it, you've got a pretty good understanding of who he is as a person and a player. But uh, at this point, I don't know that he's a take. Now, come Wednesday, my feelings may be different. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. And, uh, it, it's, you know, again, school starts soon. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of rapid-fire commitments out there, not just with us, but uh, around the country in these coming days. These guys get ready to go, you know, lease apartments and things like that. you got to make plans to get your belongings here. It's not an easy undertaking. You know what it's like moving your own kid to campus. You can only begin to imagine uh, when you're a guy that's lived all the way across the country, you know, and maybe you've moved your stuff home from that school knowing you were going in the portal, and uh, now you've got to move it a second time, you know. So there's a lot to that. So it's not a situation that a lot of people just, you know, can just kind of flippantly say, well, this is what I want to do. You know, they got to have some, some lead time to prepare. Uh, but a lot of your guys are already here. A lot of your transfer guys are already here in Starkville. You know, they've already, uh, you know, signed leases and, and got hooked up with their apartments, and they're here, they're working out together, they're spending some time together. And uh, I think those are the things that pay a lot of dividends down the road for us. Uh, so when those guys have a chance to kind of be together and figure things out. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It's that simple. Google is your friend. Some people forget that. Google is your friend. Even though I've got issues with Google, to be honest with you. I still use it, but uh, it's become so corporate these days. But uh, all that said, Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and you can find their Facebook page and uh, peruse the pictures of the amenities that are available to you there at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It's important to go check them out. You'll be glad you did. If you're bringing a large group to Starkville, that's the way to go. Rather than go out and get five hotel rooms, just book a house, right? This is the renovated clubhouse at the old country club. Makes it very, very easy. You can uh, uh, go buy some groceries and you can cook or you can bring food in rather than uh, having to go and just go to a restaurant, even though it's always great. It's nice to be able to kind of stock a fridge, right? Get some snacks some drinks, not have to worry with constantly having to go down to some vending machine and overpay for stuff or hang out in a hotel lobby and have people kind of interloping on your conversation. You can have some privacy, but have some togetherness together. Uh, that's an important aspect of it, whether you're bringing a work crew midweek to Starkville or you're bringing a, a crew here for a ball game weekend, Stark Vegas Clubhouse can accommodate you. Five bedrooms, yeah, at the wet bar there. It, uh, it can be a party-type atmosphere. We ask that you don't get too rowdy. You don't have a lot of neighbors, but we want to respect those that are around there. But uh, very easy to find them, Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and then book through the Evolve website. We'll save you some money. That's promo code BSR10. Get 10% off your stay when you stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right. Uh, tonight, NAFL Championship game. College football is almost over for us. You know, as I mentioned, it's a 365-day-a-year deal, but the, the final game of the season tonight, Michigan versus Washington. How, how are we feeling about that, kids? I know some people are like, well, Dylan Johnson left us, so I can't pull for them. Guys, I can't pull for Michigan. I know many of you are like, Steve, you know, it is what it is. I, I think Michigan tried to cheat the game. I hate to see people that try to cheat the game win. I do. And uh, maybe I'm old school. I say, well, Steve, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. There's some aspects of that that I understand. I don't appreciate. I don't follow through with that, that line of thinking. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pulling for Washington in this game because I think it's good for the game. Not just because of the fact I'm rooting against Michigan, 
but uh, I'm rooting for parity in college football. It's been a long time since we have had a new national champion. Washington won one years ago. Let's uh, let's look this up here, get our, our data correct. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's always part of the deal, too. Uh, they won, I guess, what was it, in 91? Let's double-check that. Yes. Yes, that's correct. NAFL Championship. Um, let's see here. The, yeah, they claim a national title in 1960 and 1991. They don't claim 1910, 1984, and 1990. I don't understand that at all. Uh, but they're a national finalists tonight. They've won 18 conference championships, four divisional titles, and uh, a chance to do something that hadn't been done in a long time. So we could have a new national champion. It's been a long time since Michigan's won it, too, uh, to be fair. But let's be honest about that. Michigan is a is a blue blood, is it not? Do you not agree with that? I think we all do. I do. And uh, it's been a while since Michigan, I guess, maybe has been the national power that they they like to be. But uh, they have a chance to do something pretty special here. And there were so many people with Jim Harbaugh, you know, he, he couldn't beat Ohio State for a while, and they said they're not going to be able to get over the hump. But uh, 11 national championships for them, and then there are seven more they don't claim. Again, I don't understand that, but, uh, but that's where we are. 45 uh, conference championships. Uh, one of the most storied programs in college football history. I think that's an important aspect of all this stuff, too. Uh, is Michigan back? Well, I think one could clearly say that. They haven't won an Apple championship since 1997, and it took a while to even win the Big Ten. Uh, so that's an, you know something we'll watch tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that, just kind of being able to sit and chill and uh, enjoy college football for a little bit longer. Now, some more important football to come as uh, the – NFL playoff picture is finally set. Uh, the Rats of Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens, the one seed in the AFC, Pittsburgh, uh, beat them without Lamar Jackson and then got the loss from Jacksonville to, uh, to make the playoffs. So Pittsburgh will play Buffalo. Let's look at our schedule here. It's so interesting. Super wild card weekend. Uh, Saturday, January the 13th, NFL football, it's going to be great. We'll get through this week, and then we'll get into NFL stuff. But uh, the Browns at the Texans, that's your 3.30 game on Saturday. Browns are in the playoffs for the second time in 20 years. Isn't that weird to think about? Pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Um, C.J. Stroud didn't play in the previous matchup. They're going to play. That's going to be on NBC. Uh, you like the Texans there. We're not going to talk a lot about this later in the week, but um, I think it's important to look at it now. Dolphins at the Chiefs, you're rooting interest there, obviously. Uh, the Chiefs, all due respect to Brandon Walker, uh, I'm, I'm pulling for the Chiefs and Chris Jones. Chris Jones got the big bonus yesterday for the big sack. It was a $1.5 million. Good work if you can get it. But Kansas City hadn't been maybe as dominant as people expected this year. But uh, the Dolphins having to leave uh, – you know, sunny South Florida and head up there to uh, Arrowhead, that's going to be awfully interesting. Now, Sunday, it's a big, big day here. You get three playoff games. And so the noon game are the Steelers at the Bills. Two cold-weather teams playing. Josh Allen, quarterback for the Bills, 3-1. and one. 
against the Steelers, who were the most prestigious professional franchise in all of sport. That's going to be on us, the CBS stream. You're going to be able to watch that CBS stream. So if you, you, know, you guys have smart TVs or you have Roku sticks or whatever, uh, you can watch that game then. And then we'll turn around the game that most of you are interested in, the 3.30 game on Fox will be Packers at the Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy, of course, uh, former Packers coach, coaching the Cowboys. The Cowboys clinched the, uh, the number two seed and good for Dak. And Dak put up some huge numbers this year. It's amazing what happens when you have a healthy throwing hand, right? That's the thing. A lot of people last year, well, Dak threw all these picks. Well, you know, he was hurt. He was hurt. But uh, MVP-like numbers for Dak this year. Don't know if he gets it, but uh, certainly some validation for the Cowboys to sign Dak to that big contract. And then he'll have an opportunity in the offseason to reset that contract and make him one of the highest-paid players in the history of the National Football League. So, yeah, seven-seeded Packers at the Cowboys. And that'll be big because the Cowboys shouldn't have to leave Dallas until the uh, NFC Championship game if they get that bar barn and upset, right? Uh, the nightcap is Rams at the Lions. Of course, uh, our Justin Frommer is a big Detroit Lions fan. Uh, so, Cowboys beat the Lions in some controversy here recently. So, uh, Justin, of course, will be excited for that game. Uh, that's, I don't even know if I'll watch that game, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. You know. Uh, Monday night game, Eagles at Bucks. That'll be fun. A week from the night. Eagles and Buccaneers. Of course, you've got a rooting interest with the Philadelphia Eagles. Got some Bulldogs over there. Uh, the Buccaneers, interesting, interesting team, shall we say. Uh, but the Eagles were 10-1 and at one point, have not played well down the stretch. Got hammered pretty good yesterday. They're going to have to turn it around, and it's so interesting. Not too long ago, people were forecasting the Eagles to potentially be the one seed. At worst, the two seed, they end up the five seed when it's all said and done. Uh, so that's all kind of interesting. And so the Niners and uh, Baltimore Ravens will be off. And the way this whole thing works, the Niners will play the worst remaining seed next week. And same thing for the Ravens. So we could have, um, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously, uh, you know, a team that's uh, very fortunate to be in the playoffs. I love them. But uh, Mike Tomlin gets on my nerves. Uh, we, we, just, we never seem – we can't have a quarterback. Got to find us a quarterback somewhere. But if the Steelers win that game against the Bills, which is going to be a tall order, uh, they would travel to the Ravens uh, the next week and take on Lamar Jackson. So, uh, interesting. And I hope you guys have, uh, have kept up with this. Uh, so it's a fun time of year because every game matters now, right? It's all, you know, it's all on the line. Uh, so, it should be a fun week of uh, football entertainment for us. Of course, you've got some, uh, some basketball games to keep up with as well. But uh, – we're going to get into the slow season here pretty soon. So let's enjoy football while we have it because it'll be gone before we know it. And I don't know where we're going to be for a Super Bowl party. We'll figure all that stuff out. Maybe maybe it's your place. I don't know what kind of, how you do the chicken wings, though. I need to, I need to know what the, uh, what the food situation looks like before I make plans to, uh, to be with you. You just never know where I may pop up. All right, let's take a little time here. If you had not done so, go to WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You get the new book, When the Bottom Falls, and all my sports titles are there as well. When the Bottom Falls doing exceptionally well. I uh, did a podcast yesterday with the Recovery Lab podcast folks uh, down in Jackson. Um, 
I guess in, in Madison. It was great, though, and uh, had a chance to meet with uh, Drew and Daniel. Uh, you can find that. It's on their Facebook page. I've also shared it on my Facebook page, whether we're friends or not. It's open. You can go see it. Uh, shared a snippet on Twitter earlier. It's always important to carry the message, right? And that's the thing, too, that I've learned about all this stuff. It's like they always say you, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. And so I give it away freely because I, I want to keep it. But also, I do all this so that others may live. It's because we have romanticized so much of this stuff, right? It's like, well, we can't even call it you know, drug addiction anymore, right? Because we want to make it easier to digest, right? The only difference between the soccer mom at the country club and like the prostitute on the streets in many respects is where they get their drugs. And that's the way you have to look at it. You know, it's like we look at it and say, well, I'm not that person. I'm not down there on Skid Row. I'm not, you know, shoplifting batteries and selling them back for a refund at Walmart um, yet, yet. You know, it's one of the blessings that I've had in life is I didn't have money. I didn't, you know, it's true. I didn't have money. I had access to drugs and alcohol, but if I'd had money, I had access to a whole lot more exotic stuff and uh, probably would have been the end of your good friend and host. And so I just share that with you. It's important to kind of keep up with that kind of stuff. Uh, Every family out there in some respects is impacted by addiction. Everybody. And whether you want to admit it or not. And I'm from South Mississippi. We just didn't talk about unpleasant things, right? I mean, that's just what we do. You know, uh, we'll get out there and fight and fist fight and that kind of stuff and raise hell, but we don't really want to talk about things like that. We don't want to talk about things that may be embarrassing for our family. I think it's important that we remove the stigma about this sort of thing. But let's not end on a sour note. Let's be excited about what is to come for Mississippi State. I'm, I'm a kind of person, too. It's like, you know, sports are supposed to be fun, and sometimes you don't get the return on your investment, right? Uh, listen, I, I want to give a shout-out to Charlie Winfield, guys. I, I really do. And uh, with the Bulldog Initiative, I'm not going to sit here and, and just, you know, and, and beg for money. That's not what I'm going to do. But uh, Charlie Winfield is an amazing Bulldog. I, I tell people all the time whenever he dies, he'll get the escalator rather than having to take the steps into heaven. Uh, but this guy has done an incredible amount of work for Mississippi State. And, and listen, let's just kind of call it for what it is. You know, we had a couple of NIL programs that right out of the gate we thought we had a pretty good handle on, and those proved to be unsuccessful. And so we were playing from behind, and we're still behind in some respects, but we have made up a tremendous amount of ground. And, uh, and I give, um, you know, a lot of people connected to the university, uh, you know, for partnering, you know, with the Bulldog Initiative. You know, that, that, wasn't, that, that wasn't something that was always available, uh, but we have now some opportunities, of course, to promote the Bulldog Initiative. But, guys, I just can't say enough about Charlie. And uh, listen, yeah, if you're so inclined, you know, when you see these posts out there on message boards or on social media, uh, let's maybe, like, give Charlie a thumbs up right? Uh, I think there needs to be like a Charlie Winfield appreciation thread on Twitter and message boards and things like that. Just because, guys, he took this on for all of us because of his love for Mississippi State. You know, he, obviously, you know, he has to make some amount of money in this because of NCAA legislation, but uh, where I understand he's taking the minimum possible. I mean, Charlie Winfield is a very successful attorney, Charlie Winfield is a guy that could have just said, you know what, I've made my money in life. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'll just make a donation. Somebody else can handle all that stuff. But instead, Charlie stepped up. And I don't know that he gets enough appreciation for it. I'm just going to kind of say it for what it is. Charlie Winfield has been my friend for a long time. When I found out that he was uh, 
you know, jumping into the NIL space. I said, well, that's kind of where I want to throw my allegiance because I know that Charlie is a man of character. I know Charlie will do right by Mississippi State. And I see some things out there occasionally where people are being critical of Charlie, and I just got to draw a line in the sand right there. I just have to do that because it's easy. It's like the whole man in the arena thing, right? It's easy to sit in the stands or on the sidelines and criticize the guy that's out there uh, trying to do big things. That's easy to do. It takes no skill. It takes no education. It takes no real expertise. Anybody can just sit there and be a malcontent, right? But Charlie Winfield stepped up and has been a hero to Mississippi State. Uh, he has been. And I would encourage you to give it a Bulldog initiative. We have uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at this point. Either we've raised or donated uh, to the Bulldog initiative because we believe in Mississippi State. Some other people out there, is, well, no, we, we can't do that. No, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Either you're committed to it or you're not. Right? And I'm not trying to make fans feel guilty, but there's a lot of people out there that have the ability to give that don't. A lot of people in our industry, a lot of people in business that have the ability to give and they don't. And rather than just say, I don't have any money, they want to hide behind something else. And so that's one of the things with our business we have put, we, you know, of course, we hosted Rock Vegas. Uh, we've made contributions to the Million Dollar Match, made contributions to uh, uh, some other endeavors involving NIL because we believe in Mississippi State. And so we put our money where our mouth is. I'm not going to be some hypocrite and sit here on this microphone and say, hey, I think you should give, and then we're just not. Now, other people can do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not built that way. But that's not really why I got on here in this last segment uh, to, to, you know, to beg for money. But Charlie Winfield is our guy. He absolutely is. And uh, whether you support NIL or not, I'm going to ask that you support Charlie Winfield as a person and as a bulldog. And, uh, you know, if you need legal work done, maybe give Charlie an opportunity to serve you, somebody with his firm. But just some kindness goes a long way. You know, when you see people out there saying, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of things out there to get reported about NIL that are, that are completely, at, uh, you know, false. And so I share that with you because, like, all of a sudden we'll see an article or a message board post, and we take that and we say, you know what, that's got to be correct. And we have this blame Mississippi State first mentality sometimes, and we think, well, since this particular school is reportedly so far ahead of us in NIL, our guy must be asleep at the wheel. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. That's absolutely not true. I don't care what other people say or report, because I know in the conversations that I've had with people close to these situations, a lot of what's reported about NIL stuff is completely false. And that's not to, to start a fight, okay, Ole Miss people. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you'll see these articles. Well, it's like, oh, well, this guy's getting a million dollars. And then you talk to people close and figure out, well, no, no, it's not the case. Yeah, I've even seen some numbers out there reported for some of our kids that aren't correct. And so I, I just say that because we, it's like we're already on the ledge. We're just waiting for some reason to pounce and if you're going to do that, let's pounce in a direction other than that of Charlie Winfield. Because Charlie is a guy that uh, stepped up and got it done. Again, there's some other people that had the best of intentions but didn't just couldn't get it done, right, for whatever reason or another. I'm not being critical of them. I'm not being critical of the people that supported them or helped them organize that. In the infancy of NIL, uh, we had some challenges at Mississippi State. We had to get everybody on the same page. You know, you had compliance thinking one thing, you had NIL benefactors thinking another. 
what was fair, what wasn't fair, what was going to have to happen. Did it have to be a quid pro quo? Was the collective going to be an acceptable methodology uh, for NIL? We didn't know. We thought we did, but we didn't. And some people beat us to the punch. But we have made tremendous strides in the NIL. Uh, are we where we want to be? No. Are we better off than we were? You better believe it. We're right there kind of in the middle of the pack in the SEC. And then you see some other things out there like, hey, well, these people got to be spending a bunch of money. You know, at some point the rent comes due. And the one thing that I can say with, without any hesitation is I know that Charlie Winfield has done things the right way. I know that Charlie Winfield has put Mississippi State in a good position to be competitive in an NIL space. And we hadn't gotten a situation where we're overextended. We're going to have to go out this summer and uh, wash cars or whatever and beg people for money or, you know, sell pictures of our feet on the Internet, try to raise money to, uh, to fulfill these promises uh, that we've made the players before they get here. You know, there's a lot of that, you know, a lot of it kind of sets up as you get an initial payment and then, of course, there's like a monthly stipend or whatever. A lot of those guys are going to report in January and some are going to report, you know, in August and, and September. And uh, you got a payroll to meet. I have no doubt at all Charlie Winfield has put us in a position where we're going to be able to do that uh, without having a lot of panic. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes on the show to tell you, number one, I love Charlie Winfield and I love his efforts because we are mutually aligned in one very important thing, and that is our love for Mississippi State. And Charlie Winfield is doing a job that really none of us wanted any of us could have done it. We could have stepped up and said, hey, this is what I want to do. Maybe we didn't have the connections. Maybe we didn't have the know-how. But the bottom line is he is our guy, and we need to support our guy. So when you see somebody out there, this is, this is my hope and my, my, my question to you, and maybe you'll support me with this. When you see people out there being critical of Charlie, let's give Charlie a thumbs up, right? Let's just say, hey, Charlie, thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. And listen, some of you have done a good job of that. But all of a sudden, you know, we had a little thread on the basketball board of the day. We lose a game to South Carolina, and somehow that's Charlie Winfield's fault. No, it's got nothing to do with Charlie Winfield. Absolutely nothing to do with Charlie Winfield. Charlie Winfield has been a great steward of our money. He's been very responsible. And every time that I've worked with Charlie on an NIL adventure, it has been absolutely first class. Uh, Charlie is, uh, is my friend, but more importantly, he is a friend of Mississippi State. And so I just ask you uh, to help me. Uh, support our friend, a guy that's doing something that we're you know, doing an effort here that benefits all of us, whether we contribute or not. So whether you give any money, and you should, but even if you don't, you can at least get out there and say, hey, thank you, Charlie. And listen, I see people, I'm never going to give anything that now. I don't believe in it. doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. doesn't mean it's going to go away. This is the world in which we live in. And we have a guy championing the cause for Mississippi State who didn't have to. It's not like the university went out and hired Charlie Winfield and said, hey, Charlie, you're going to be our NIL guy. No, he of his own volition said he saw a need there and said, you know what, somebody's got to step up here and get this thing organized and see if we can't get everybody on the same page. And, and, and much to the detriment of his own practice, right? I mean, he's out there going out, speaking to people and things like that, and making presentations and explaining how NIL works. I can't begin to imagine uh, the stress and the pressure that goes along with that. And so in these final days of this recruiting process, let's, uh, let's give Charlie a little bit of a, uh, a thumbs up and a pat on the back for a job well done. Hey, if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you certainly should be, go to StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirts, hoodies, and an assortment of colors. And here's the thing, too, Mom. Maybe you didn't know this or Dad. You know, if you go to a Starkville school, 
your school colors are available through StarkVillains.com, so it complies with the dress code. How about that? You didn't know that. Maybe your kids go to SA and you're like, hey, we need to have orange and blue gear. Yeah, well, you can get a Stark Villain hoodie. Kids love hoodies, especially something unique like that. You go to Starkville High School, you can get the black and gold. Go to Armstrong, you can get that too, right? It complies because I'm always thinking about that because I'm a parent, right? And thankfully, all my kids no longer have to comply to a dress code. But um, there's a lot of different options. I want to thank everybody involved that's made this merchandise available to you. Uh, again, at StarkVillains.com. Go order you some stuff today. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you certainly should be. And, again, thank you guys so much. Every day that I wake up and I see these numbers and uh, I get these uh, emails of congratulations from uh, people in our network and text and calls. Guys, we've done a good job this year. We could do an even better job this year. But, um, again, if we write it and you don't read it, you know, we're just kind of entertaining ourselves. And so I appreciate all of you more than I can ever say. And I've had so many people that have said, Steve, I've met you before. I know you, you mean this. And I absolutely do. You guys have given me a dream come true. Uh, in many respects, and uh, it's never something that I just kind of take for granted. Sometimes I get, you know, sometimes we get somebody that kind of, you know, gives us a little bit of burr in a saddle. We got to handle that on a message board. But um, I want to thank every one of you. You don't have to be a member, you know, to see our free content. We push so much it out to socials, and it's because of the fact that we don't think you should have to pay for everything, you know. But uh, we're, we're certainly glad when you do. So thank you for all of you that are subscribed to jeanspage.com and all of you that bought books. All of you that you that uh, listen to the show, all of you guys that share a tweet. I mean, it's like there's so much of this, man. I couldn't do any of this without our great staff and with all of you. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the things that you have done uh, to support my endeavors. And uh, looking forward uh, to get going here in a couple of weeks, man. We'll start writing the Duty Noble book. And you know, we've already kind of fleshed out, you know, some co- cover concepts. I put a couple things out there. But uh, I've learned some interesting things. Uh, I really have, and I can't wait to share them with you. And I feel it's uh, it's really my honor and privilege to be able to write this book. And look forward to you guys having it on your bookshelf uh, later next this year. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.